We just got a, I just got a couple of things I just wanted to share to stay in this kind of flow and a little bit different this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. She started talking about, uh, you can't, you can't touch me. Y'all know what I was thinking about? Can't touch this. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, that'd make a good message. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. The Lord will use a secular song to minister to your spirit. Yes, he will. If he will use a donkey to speak to us, he will use a song. And hammer it into us. Uh, <laughs> and then I got to thinking about the uh, communion. And I was like, good Lord. I don't know if we ought to ask Amsel and Demku to do that again or not. They had us all weeping and crying. But it really brought it home. So thank you guys for being obedient and doing that from sincerity of your heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, this morning has been... Uh, has been need. I want you to turn to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 real quick and then uh, Proverbs chapter 10. These are two verses that's just been kind of flashing up and ministering to me the last couple of days in trying to, uh, all right, Lord, what direction are we going? And I just felt like this is the direction that we needed to go. You know, we took communion and... and uh, and then she got up there and, and just hammered it with uh, about how the world is so negative. <clears throat> Thank God that not all of our leaders are that negative. And, um, but she said something that was interesting. She said that the Lord laughs. She said that, uh, she said that he said pray... And I will give you the nations. And so much of the time, we're still waiting on God to do something. And I'm on a mission to get that out of the church. I'm on a mission to get that out of our mindset to where we stop waiting on God to do something and we start engaging in what He's already done in us and then allowing that to get out into the culture. And so Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, that's where it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what, what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. And what really stuck out to me was verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. <clears throat> I'm going to pull it up in a different translation because I wanted to read it in a different one. The Living Translation says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never do anything. If I wait till I feel like doing something, I won't do it. Because I won't, somehow I won't feel like doing it. Is that right? 
if, if you wait, if you and I wait for perfect conditions, we'll never do anything. He says that the clouds, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree falls to the south or to the north, the place where the tree lies, falls, that's where it lies. In other words, he's saying that there's so much of these things that we focus on that he said the point is not whether the the tree falls to the north or to the south. The the point is that where the tree falls, that's where it's going to lay. In other words, it's not about north or south. It's about where that tree falls is where it's going to lay. And I was reminded this morning about Jesus, and he said, he, how many times did he say, look, the harvest is ripe? Now, we were, I was going to start a new series this morning, but then I felt this morning, I felt like the Lord said, just wait, and you can start that next week. But this is still in line with that, and it's about sowing and reaping. And he said, he said look, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And that was back then. Is that still the same condition that we're in right now? The harvest is, listen to me, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is so ripe that unbelievers are looking for believers and they don't even know it. We got some, uh, some folks that have been helping us with our house. And one young man, well two young men actually, uh, have been hanging around and um, and I've just kind of disregarded it. At the beginning, I kind of just disregarded it. I didn't think too much about it. And then one day, the gentleman that's been, uh, Mr. Uh, an older gentleman that's been helping, he said, these two boys, he said, I've never seen them look up to somebody as much as they look up to you. And I go, huh? And it really got me to thinking that, um, that people are watching us and looking at us and how we respond to situations, not on purpose. I'm talking about in our daily lives speaks volumes. Because there's, there's been a couple of times where I could have lost my temper. There's been a couple of times where I could have flown off the handle. But I didn't, or I, or I didn't as bad as, as maybe they thought I was going to. But my point is that we're, the harvest is ripe. And so these, one young man is, is constantly talking to, is constantly, when we're around each other, he's constantly asking me questions. And he said something the other day that really started, he said, you know, I've been playing softball. And so now every time we get together, he's telling me about softball and how this is going on and how that's going on and he may be able to do this. And so much of the time, if you and I aren't careful, we'll just let it go in one end right out the other and not even pay attention to it. And I thought, why? He said, why does he keep talking to me about softball? And the Lord, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. And he says, because he's, he said, because he's looking for a fatherly-like figure to give him the security and the approval that he's looking for. Because he's not getting it from his own father. Boy, you're talking about, something, you're talking about a burden of responsibility. And so he asked me the other day, he said, you ought to come to one of my softball games. And I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be transparent with you. I feel like going to a softball game, like I feel like going and having a root canal, as if I got nothing else to do and too much other. And the Holy Spirit goes, "You got too much to do." I didn't even say nothing to nobody. 
The Holy Spirit ever done that to you? You don't say nothing to somebody. You just say it to yourself and the Holy Spirit checks you like Jesus used to do. Jesus heard them say to themselves and then Jesus would rebuke them. And I'm like, can you at least just keep it between us? And he said, I am. But he said, you got something better to do? And I go, well, I guess not now. And my point is, there's, there's more, there are more things that God is wanting us to engage in with people than we realize. And the reason why we don't have the nations is why? Say it again, Inez. Say it out loud. We ain't asked. He said, the other day he said to me, he said, you sure do ask a lot. I said, well, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. All you can say is no. I wanted to read it to you in the Living Bible Translation. Actually, I think I'll read it in the New Living Translation. And he says, send your grain across the seas, and in time profits will flow back to you. Now, there's a lot of people that's been affected by this storm. And it's real easy for us to sit in our heated sanctuary, at our heated homes, and not consider what other people are going through. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're in sin. It doesn't mean that you're evil. But it is easy to do that. And it's easier for us to pray for something like that than to actually get our hands in the midst of it and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But if you and I will engage what's going on, you'll be surprised at the volume and the level of Christ that that will speak to people. Well, what's that got to do with send your grain across the seas and in time profits will flow? But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down, and whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant, and if they, catch, if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. I'm talking about with people now. Well, I want to be a help. Well, then help. We're going to give you the opportunity to help this morning before we take up the offering. Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Can you and I sleep right through the harvest? Mr. Timmy is a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. never worked on a farm. I picked watermelons one summer. That was a job. I picked watermelons one summer. Done yard work. Still don't understand why people love yard work. I never did. We used to try to, remember I told you that story? We used to take the spark plug out of the darn, the darn uh, lawnmower. And my mama would pray and the lawnmower would work without a spark plug. I did not like yard work. I like it a little more now than I did back then, but I still, it's not like, ooh, I'm just going to wake up and I just enjoy being outside and doing yard work. I like blowing stuff up and cutting stuff up with a chainsaw and burning stuff. 
That counts as yard work. But can you and I sleep through the harvest? Mr. Timmy's a farmer, and I've heard him tell many, many stories. But what would, what would it look like, Mr. Timmy, if you, if, the harvest, if you just waited and you said, well, we planted everything, now when the harvest is ready, it would just bring itself in. In peanuts, boy, they'll just come right out of the ground and just roll right up to the barn, won't they? No, we got to go get them. So there's a little bit of work and effort involved with getting the harvest. Can you agree with me that you can sleep through your harvest? Can there be possibly, I'm just throwing this out there, is there possibly people in your life right now that are ready to be harvested and we sleeping through it? Boy, that always goes over great. Let me tell you what I felt like the Lord said this morning, last night and this morning. He said, it's time for you to engage. It's time for us. I'm going to make it declarative. It's time for us to engage. You've gotten ready. You've gotten prepared. Now engage. See, people need you when they need you. I like sleep. I like rest. I believe that we all need sleep. And so when my daughter comes down in the middle of the night and she says, my feet hurt, I don't want to get up because I'm sleeping. But there are times when I get up and there are times where I go, well, why don't you go run yourself a bath? And and there are times where she gets up. But what the Lord's been showing me is that people need you when they need you. I need you when I need you. I don't need you when it's convenient for you. I need you when the Lord needs you. Our community needs us. City of Tipton needs us. The people of Adel need us. They need us when they need us. She was uh, over in Albany the other day and she was doing some shopping. She got an opportunity to bless a family that was affected by the storm and have had no power, home destroyed. How many of you know it's not, it's not always convenient when... The Lord has never, I don't know about you, but the Lord has never prompted me to do something and said, is this a good time? But the world is waiting for us to rise up and to meet the needs. And in light of us being in this time of fasting and prayer, this is the last week, the last seven days that we're going to be doing this fasting and prayer. And in the light of that, it's like, the and I was praying, Lord, how can we do this? And the Lord said, empower your people to meet the needs. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up the offering in a minute. Our normal tithes is what we're going to do. And then, in addition to that, we're going to set up uh, a Holy Ghost disaster relief fund. But now here's the catch. The decision to how we spend that money is not going to just solely rely on us. It's going to rely on you. So what do I mean? I mean, if you know someone 
that's, ha- that's got a need, that needs, some, that needs something, needs a power bill, needs some clo- clothes, food, they need shoes, whatever. I'm going to empower you to meet that need. I'm not going to just listen to me. We're going to take up the offering and then I'm going to empower you. How many of you know somebody right now or know of someone right now that needs something that was affected by this storm? Anybody? Anybody else? Okay. Then what we're going to do is we're going to empower you to meet that need. I mean, how powerful is that? If we take up $1,000, we're going to empower you to meet that need. If we take up $10,000, we're going to empower you to meet that need. Someone blessed us this week, the church, with through they wanted to remain anonymous. And so they, they set up a, uh, it's a, a grant foundation where people can donate money and then that company, that, that foundation will send money to whatever ministry they designate anonymously just to be a blessing. And we received a check for $10,000 for the children's ministry. It had attention April Thomas on it. For ministry to the children. You don't think these children, some of these children were affected by this? We talk about being the church. We talk about the church. We talk about doing things differently. And I was thinking this morning, I thought, man, that's a good idea. I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. The Lord said, empower your people. Well, how much empowerment do you need? Well, I guess that depends on the need. God's not limited. I know somebody, uh, I don't know somebody, but I know, the, I know the people whose house was destroyed over in Adel. But I also know of a couple that was down the road from us that lost their lives in the same storm. The power is in us. The power to change these lives is in us. He said, all authority and all power and all dominion has been given unto me. Now you go in my name. This is our opportunity to go. This is our our chance to offer ministry to someone outside of these walls that have nothing to do with us, but we can demonstrate the love of Jesus to them. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, and he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. I don't want to be the one, I don't want to be one that sleeps through my harvest. Do you? But it could happen. We think in charismatic circles that the harvest would just take care of itself. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. We have an opportunity. I could have passed those opportunities by, those young men. And I'm still asking the Lord for wisdom. I went and got my hair cut the other day, and one of the guys that's cutting, that was cutting my hair has been diagnosed with lymphoma. That's the second person that I know personally, that's been diagnosed with cancer in the last five months. And I'm sitting there and I'm asking the Lord, what can I say? What can I do? 
And so I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I ask them? How can I insert this question? And so I asked, he was telling me about it, and he was telling me everything that was going on. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you this question. How do you feel about healing? Because you can really locate people when you ask them. Because people who don't need healing, and they're religious, they're rejected. Oh, well, you know, if it's the Lord's will. But people who want healing, people who need healing, people who want to live, they'll answer the question, right? I said, well, what's your take on healing? And he goes, what do you mean? I mean, what do you feel about it? You feel like God still heals? You feel like healing's available to you? He said, oh, yeah, I feel like God could heal me. Okay, how do we do this? And I thought, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to pray for him. But as I left there, I asked the Lord, I said, what can we do? And it's like the Lord said, where are the places where people can come to get prayed for? Where is the ministries where we can offer people to be able to really impact their lives on a daily basis? And the Lord said, it's in the marketplace. See, if I go and I keep and I be strategic about it, I can go and I can affect and I can have influence on it. We talked about Wednesday night that it really doesn't matter whether you receive it or not. That the very fact that the light and the knowledge and the glory of God manifest in your presence. Langston is being changed right now from the inside out, whether he wants to or not, because he's sitting here engaged. And so when you leave this place and you go to your place of work or you go to your home or you go to the grocery store, when you come in contact with people, they change. They may only change a little bit. They may only get a little whiff of the glory of God. They may only get a small taste of the anointing that's in your life, but they get it and it changes their life. It may not cause the results and the fruit that you want in their life or that they want in their life right then and there, but it changes their life. Light removes darkness. And light with money removes darkness faster. Or light with resources removes darkness faster. In other words, people are a lot more open to you praying for them if you and I are meeting a need in their life. We carry with us this treasure. And in this treasure is all the gold and all the incense and all the frankincense and all the myrrh and all the silver and all the anointing that we will ever need to impact those around us. And we carry this treasure, guess what? In earthen vessels. Vessels that are um, dictated a lot of times by the outward influences of the world. We're uh, distracted by the influences of the world, but we still carry this treasure. There are a lot of people in the grave that died with that treasure inside of them and never gave that treasure out, never distributed that fragrance, never gave out of their heart, but yet it's still in there. And our people, the people of our community, they're hungry. I see it every day. They're hungry. They may not act like it and they may not look like it, but if you'll spend a little bit of time with them talking to them, they're hungry. This guy's hungry. He don't want to die. He's got a seven-year-old daughter. 
That's an old lady. Well, she's eight. But it's the same age. And his daughter shaved his head because he didn't want her to see him go through chemo or radiation. And I thought, what would, I look, what would my children look like? And we got the answer. If he'll give us, you know, I, I can't guarantee to you that a manifestation of the Spirit will be in operation every time. I can't guarantee you that gifts of healing, working of miracles, gift of faith, discerning of spirits, word of prophecy. I can't, I can't determine because the Bible says that that's as the Spirit wills. But I can tell you how to get people 100% healed every time. Through the Word. Through the Word of God. And if we will engage the culture around us, that's what I want. If we will engage the culture around us in an everyday experience, in an everyday format, and just expose them to the Word of God a little bit along and along, it will make a big influence. You know, if you're on a jet airplane and you're going 500 miles an hour, if you make one degree of error, but in five minutes it ain't going to make that big a deal. But in eight hours, that one degree of being off course, where are you going to end up? End up in another country. If you and I will make one degree of change in our lives towards those that we influence in the marketplace, it may not have an impact in five days. But what kind of impact will it have in five years? What kind of impact will it have over a lifetime? Well, most people, you're not going to be around them for five years. Think about the people in your life right now that aren't born again or that are born again but aren't living at the foot of the cross or aren't living to their full potential. And think in your mind, how long have I known them? I know people. How long have you known them? What would happen if we engaged our culture a little bit, just a little bit, every day? If we'll be open to the yielding of the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And then when they open the door, boy, we can drive that truck of information and that, that anointing right on in that door. Because they know that we've engaged them. See, if I try to share the gospel with them boys now... I may have a little bit of a voice. If I'd have tried to share with them the first time they showed up on the job site, hey, everybody stop working, y'all come gather right here. How many of you know Jesus? How many of you know that would have been, I don't know. Pastor L.A. said something the other day. He said, we have to get ourselves in the mind frame of a little bit of a slower conversion process now than we did back in the day. Now, I agree with that to a degree, but then some of that I don't agree with because I believe we got to get ourselves ready for the long haul. We got to be ready to impart. You and I know that the, the things in the natural, okay, are a reflection of the things in the spirit. So if he says that the kingdom of God is like a farmer that sows seed, you and I can't sow seed and then wake up the next morning to go, why aren't you born again? You and I can't sow seed and expect that that harvest be ripe in 24 hours. It takes a little bit of time. But we can sow seed and we can water that seed and we can nurture that seed. But it's God who gives the increase. And in the end times, the time that we live in now, I'm telling you that things are speeding up. Things are exponentially speeding up. What used to take five years to get somebody from point A to point B won't take five years. It may only take five months. But we got to be sensitive. And disaster 
is, do you know what disaster is? It's an opportunity to just, to just, uh, it's an opportunity to demonstrate the love of God in such a profound way that they leave that experience knowing no matter what. They may not know why, but they know that somebody loves them. You remember I said a few weeks ago, I said, in talking about the Holy Spirit teaching us all things, I said, give Him time and place to teach us. And the Lord said, tell them to give them time and place in your life. We've got to give them time and place in our life. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, I'm going to close with this and then we'll take up off. I'm going to get Cornell to come up and pray for us to take up the offering. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, Peter and John are arrested and they go and they report all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, and then they begin to pray, and it says that they prayed and they begin to worship God. We've talked about this. They begin to worship God. And in verse 29, they said this, Now, Lord, look on their threats. And what? Grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We got to stop pointing fingers at the world. The world is acting like the world because they're the world. Because that's what people do who are in darkness. What we have to do is we have to pray, Lord, help us. Change us. We don't need Washington to change. We need to change. Because when we change... We just saw what happens when we, when we change and we have the largest Christian turnout for a, a vote for a vote in years, in decades. And we see what's going on and we see what's happening. Things are changing. We needed to change, not the system. The believers. The believers needed to change. So as we pray and as we change, I want you to be sensitive to how the Lord's wanting you to engage your culture. He's not wanting us to be isolationists. Why do people not want to come to church? We think that's common. Why would people not? Because they don't understand the purpose of church. Why do believers not come to church? Because they don't understand the purpose of church. This isn't the church. We're the church. This is just the building where the church meets from time to time. But as we engage, I'm asking you to pray and ask the Lord how you can engage the culture that's around. And we're going to take up an offering. We're going to get. We're getting ready to take up the offering. And we're going to. We're going to. Uh, we're going to take up our normal tithes, and then we're going to. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you want to give to this. Ministry Relief Fund. The envelopes in front of you. Pull out one of those envelopes and just write on there Ministry Relief Fund. And I want you to put it in there, and then we're going to we're gonna we're going to take that, and then I'm going to put the responsibility on you, on all of us. If you know somebody, if you know someone or a family that is in need 
uh, Langston and I, ne- Langston was telling me about a family that they were ministering to that are staying at a hotel and paying $80 a night because they have no power at their house and they won't have it for what, another week and a half? $80 a night. That's what the Brick House family is doing. They're staying in the hotel. $80 a night. That adds up pretty quick. You stay there 10 nights, that's $800. What if that need was met for them? What if that's just one more thing they didn't have to carry on their shoulder through this process? What if we got extravagant and we paid for their housing, we paid for their food, we paid for their clothing, and all they had to be concerned with was just getting through this process together and everything financially that they had problems with was taken care of that'd be nice it's possible and it's very doable what is it in the lives of people that you know that they're dealing with that's been affected by this how can we meet that need so much of the time Jesus would meet their need they were hungry he fed them They were thirsty, he gave them something to drink. I'm saying take the religiousness out of it and take this religious blinders off. Let's just be a friend. Here's an idea. Let's be a friend to the world. Now, if you got problems with alcohol or you've had problems with alcohol, don't go to the bar. That's not wisdom. If you're single or married, you don't need to be ministering to a single or a married woman or man. But there are people in our lives that are destitute and don't know Jesus. We need to befriend these people. Langston and I, I use you as an example because you're the one I know. Langston had some folks over to their house. They had this couple over their house and fed them and loved on them. You don't think people are open to what you've got to say when you open your home up to them? Stand with me. The name of the what? The, just put Ministry Relief Fund. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as far as what He would have you to give. And then I want you to contact Laurel at the office this week and let her know what the need is, who it is, and we'll go from there. But listen, here's the key. We're not just empowering you to just call the office and tell us about need. No, I'm empowering you. I'm empowering you to find out who it is and then we're going to empower you to meet the need in other words in the book of Acts they had all things in common right and they didn't nobody went without so that's what we're doing we're pulling these resources together and then you call me and say uh, sister Sue lost all of her clothes she ain't got no clothes All right, well you come up here we're going to give you a $200 gift certificate or $200 gift card to somewhere, and you go find Sister Sue, and you tell her on on behalf of the body of Christ, we love you, go get you some clothes. And then load her up and take her, go get her some clothes. Or the family that that needs 
a place to stay. You might want to open your home to someone. But you might want to help them. We might be able to help them get their uh, lodging taken care of. Then you can go to that person and say, look, we heard about your situation. We just want you to know that God loves you. We love you. So we're going to take care of your room and board till your house is done. Why can't we do that? Will you set yourself in agreement with me that in this time of harvest that he talks about, that we're not going to be sleeping. We're going, we're, going to be re- we're going to recognize that the harvest is right. Let's believe together for the resources to meet these needs. Can we? Hallelujah. Mr. Don, come on forward. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The best way to get your mind off yourself is to get it on somebody else. Man, I could go a lot of places with that, but I'm not going to this morning. People need you when they need you. And I feel like they need us now so stretch your hands forward towards the box we're going to pray Father in the name of Jesus we thank you first of all that we're alive and healthy and whole and working we may not be where we want to be but we're definitely better off than where we could be and so Lord as, as we engage the culture around us this week Lord you said that you would give seed to the sower so Lord we ask you to give us seed this morning we're going to use what we got but we ask for more seed that we can bless folks and be a blessing to them in their hour of need and so Lord we ask you right now we set ourselves in agreement that we're believing for an abundant supply of resources so that we can reach out to these folks and minister to their need where they're at and bless them (coughs) in the name of Jesus I don't think I've ever said this I don't think I've ever asked you for this but I'm asking you to I'm asking you to give Let's give together. April and I are going to give. I know the elders are going to give. I want you to give. I want you to, I want you to ask the Lord, what, what can I give? And I want you to give like that passage says in, in Ecclesiastes. Give a portion to seven and to eight. In other words, go beyond what you think you want because you don't know what's coming up next week. These folks, I'm not asking you to give it to us. I'm asking you to give it to them. I want to be able for us, I want you to be able and us to be able to bless them, to be able to minister to them. And so let's just take the limits off and just ask the Lord to blow our minds away with what He can provide for us to bless them. Amen? In the name of Jesus, we agree. Come and give.
Thank you, Brother Don. Well, amen. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? It's been a great day, great morning, great morning. <laughs> you know, just um, as we were taking communion, I was uh, standing in the back, and I, uh, <laughs> I remembered back to watching, um, it was a video of Jesus, you know, taking communion with his dis disciples, the Last Supper. And he took the bread and he just broke it and he said, Father, I thank you. That was it. And to me, it painted just such a, a beautiful picture of the son just being grateful to the father. And not with, not necessarily words and words and words and words and uh, nothing wrong with those. But just out of the heart, just being able to say, Father, I thank you. I thank you and thank you for the, the gift of tongues because I don't even know what to say beyond that. So I just pray in the spirit, but I, I thank you. So even as Miss Laurel was speaking, um, I kind of stepped out, stepped back in. So I have actually been in and out a little bit in the service, but I've been getting you know, pieces of it. And the Lord's been speaking to me even as I'm not standing out there listening to the foyer. But I really believe that God is just, he's taking us back to just, to just being childlike. That we just look up and we say, Dad, you provided all of this, so I just receive it. I don't, I don't, do all this work to try and get it if it's something that you've already provided for me then as a child I just get to receive it by faith I appropriate it that way I was driving here from um, Valdosta and I was just thinking about a lot of things that in the Old Testament people were able to appropriate something from the New Testament or from the New Covenant even though there it was technically not the time or the order at that point in time, whether it was David eating the showbread, giving to some of his friends, whether it was, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, appropriating a miracle before Jesus had even done any technically recorded miracles. And she, she comes to him and says, you know, woman, what, is, what, what do I have to do with you as far as, you know, this is concerned, like, my time isn't yet. You know, I haven't started yet. She's like, oh, whatever he says to do, do it. You know, whatever, whatever he says do, do it, you know. Or what was another one I was thinking of? Oh, there's a lady and Jesus is, you know, he's, he's at someone's house and a, and a lady comes who's not Jewish. So she's not of the children of, you know, she's not the people of God at that time. And, you know, Jesus says, it's not good for me to give the, the children's food to the little dogs or puppies, you know, is the way that word's translated. And she says, yes, but, but even, even the little puppies eat the crumbs off of the master's table. But all of that stuff, okay, so she's appropriating something that's not yet, she, and she's appropriating it then. And Jesus is like, wow, what faith, woman, you know? But God's like, yeah, but that was then. You know, we see that Jesus is this turning point from old to new that really 
apart from the fact that he hadn't yet died and been glorified and the Holy Spirit hadn't yet been given, I do believe that there were still things in his time because he's like, the kingdom's here. Like, it's me, you know? So we know that the covenant, the new covenant is in his blood. But what I really feel like, I want to just wrap this up. What I really feel like the Lord was telling me was that, look, the time is now. (laughs) That you who once were afar off, who once were not a people, now you're a people. And I just, I started to think about that. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, it's maybe this thing's for tomorrow or maybe this is for next month or next year. No, it's, it's now. For those who have the faith to believe that it's already been paid for, we can receive it now, whether that's healing, financial breakthrough, provision, whatever it is, it's been paid for, it's been given, so he just says appropriate it. it it's now. But if you don't think it's now, if you think I got to do this and do that, I got to work it up, or I got to clean up, or whatever, then you'll never receive it. you never receive it. So if it's been paid for 2,000 years ago, <laughs> it's now. And if we weren't a people, but we're, we've been made a people 2,000 years ago, then it's now. Amen. Amen. Well, let's let's do announcements before I before I forget. Um, we're going to continue meeting together on Wednesday evenings at seven. So it's going to be corporate uh, meeting here. We'll still have youth group and children's church. So we just really encourage you guys to come. We'll have snacks and coffee and all that good stuff. Corporate prayer is going to be every Tuesday morning at seven thirty, which has been really good. I just if you can make it out, I just really encourage you to come at 7.30 here at the church on Tuesdays. And then um, we have uh, the same thing happening on Thursday evenings. I don't know. Do you guys meet in here or next door in the shift? 6.30 on Thursdays here? Okay. So if you can't make it Tuesday morning because of work at 7.30, then we've got 6.30 p.m. on Thursdays, all right? So I just really encourage you, just come out and just, just let's pray. You know, let's just... Lift up those things that are on our hearts. And it's really good to be able to hear, okay, what's God doing, you know, in you? What's God doing in you? What's, well, what's he saying? What's stirring? And then, heck, if, if, I'm, if I'm around the pot long enough, you know, that stirs me, you know? So it's just, it's really, it's really good. <laughs> um, amen. I'm going to be handing out contribution statements after church. So if you didn't get them... I believe it was last Wednesday. Um, if you have given anything and you ever put your name on something, then we have a contribution statement for you from last year. So um, after service, I'm going to be like uh, right in the back right here. Um, so just come see me. And um, the ones that we don't pass out um, this Sunday, we're going to mail. And the reason we're doing this is because we're not 100% sure on all of our addresses, so we want to make sure that you get it. Um, so we'd rather pass out as many as we can, especially to those who are already here um, in person. And I'm going to have, come on up, Miss Sandra. Miss Sandra's going to just um, talk about the Pregnancy Care Center just really quick, and then I have a final announcement, and we will be done. Amen. Yes.
just um, give me like three minutes. Um, um, I just want to mention about the um, baby bottles and why we do the baby bottles um, with the Pregnancy Care Center in honor of Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and human li- the Sanctity of Human Life Month. Um, the, the Sunday in January that falls closest to the day on which the Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton decisions were handed down by the United States Supreme Court on January 22, 1973, is recognized as the National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. The basic right to life is under broad assault. Today, we must do all we can to respect life of the unborn. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is honored by thousands of churches and individuals to highlight the sacred, sacredness of life, PC, the Pregnancy Care Center um, partners in a nationwide campaign distributing bulletins, inserts, and in local churches um, and hand out baby bottles for donation to support this ministry. Pro-abortion right, Alan Gutmeyer reports that there have been 50 million abortions performed since 1973. At the Pregnancy Care Center and Women's First Choice Medical Center, we strive to provide a professional caring environment with non-judgmental services and no cost to the patient. Our services include a pregnancy test, an ultrasound and STI screening, and we do not perform or refer for abortion services, and we want to be there sharing in the gospel of Jesus. Over 80% of women who chose abortion say they felt even just one person, one person supported another decision. They would not have chosen to have an abortion. 90% of these women wish they had been educated on fetal development at the time of their pregnancy. 75% of abortions occur due to concerns about finances, circumstances, or relationships. Since we've become a medical clinic in 2010, we have seen more than 700 women, and their stories range from women who are confused and scared, scared, to women in dire circumstances who cannot imagine being able to support and care for a child. Our primary mission is to reach those who feel homeless, hopeless, as if, I'm sorry, hopeless, as if happy endings to their stories were impossible. But God's grace since 2010, by God's grace, 306 women, more than 306 women who came to us stand, intending to end the life of their unborn chi- children, changed their minds and hearts. Their stories changed, and their children were given an opportunity to have their own stories. In the safety of the counseling session, a woman is able to share her fears, her uncertainties, and and her hopes regarding her pregnancy. The advocate has the opportunity to listen and point the woman to the possibility of preserving the life within her while giving her information about all her options She may hear many voices that speaks to her during this time. She may face family, social, and internal pressure. The voice we want her to hear at Women's First Choice Medical Center is not one of pressure, but of hope and a new perspective. We seek to educate her, providing accurate information and parenting about parenting, adoption, the adoption process, and the realities and risks involved with abortion. The reality is that most women we minister to seek abortion out of feelings of fear and doubt about themselves and their situation. They are overwhelmed, and understandably so, with the pressure they face. A patient advocate is able to encourage the patient 
think realistically about her situation and not allowing fear to drive her decision, her decision making. While we offer her empathy, support, and community referrals to help, to help she needs. And it's our hope that each woman leaves Women's First Choice Medical Center believing that continuing her pregnancy is the option she has the str- and the strength, support, and confidence to choose. At the Women's First Choice Medical Center, we also seek to provide hope and healing with women affected by abortion. The need is great for a safe place for, their, for these women to discuss the realities and pain of abortion, as well as, other, as, well as the forgiveness and healing found in Jesus Christ. And can I say that the reason that I feel called to, and know that I'm called to the ministry, at one time I was one of those same women in their shoe, that in, in as many of the women that um, in that come through the medic, pregnancy medical, well, it's pregnancy care center and women's first choice medical center. If, if y'all weren't wondering, um, but I was once in in their shoes. I was a 20 year old, afraid, um, afraid to let my parents down, afraid um, and scared. After not finishing college, I was a big disappointment, and I knew being a pregnant, being pregnant would. Um, further that um, disappointment. I turned to the first person um, that I knew to turn to, my boss's wife, and confided in her and that abortion was my only option because I was afraid and I let that fear drive my decision making. I believed that if I had gone to a local pregnancy care center where there would have been someone to listen to, to be that voice of hope that I would have, I, and I would have seen an ultrasound, seen the heartbeat. I believe I would have made a different decision. But I was scared and allowed that to drive me to that outcome of abortion. Fast forward after um, much depression and self, low self-esteem and um, an abusive marriage, um, Jesus heard my cry. And I'm just going to read this. I love it. because I'm, And I'm going to read it out of the... I'm not reading out what I wrote down. I'm reading out of the Word of God. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me, and He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And so for that reason, we provide these baby bottles and ask you to... to, put in change, put a check, check, cash, whatever you'd like to, to help this ministry. Um, my director asked me to let let everyone know there's a fundraiser banquet on April 4th. The theme is Life Worth Defending, and our speaker, speaker will be J.J. Jasper. I don't know if a lot of y'all know him from the, from the Christian radio station. Um, so uh, the baby bottles will, um, will be out in the foyer, and thank y'all for your time. I appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, Miss Sandra. I just encourage you all to, hey, grab a baby bottle, fill it up with change, put some checks in it. <laughs> Amen. You know, it's, it's really supporting God's heart. You know, God is the most pro-life <laughs> person. I mean, being ever, you know, there's no one more pro-life than God, you know, and he loves us so much, you know, that it, it, whether we can see it, we don't see it, you know, whatever, but really being able to give a lot of these young girls hope. You know what I'm saying? Just being able to put them on the right path, you know, because like Miss Miss Sandra said, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of, they don't know, they're scared, or, or just trying to live up to a certain expectation, you know. And 
Anyways, thank you, Miss Sandra. And last but not least, um, okay, I have these, so I'm holding them so I don't forget, all right? So these are the contribution statements, all right? Um, I'm actually going to be taking a team to Guatemala this July. So uh, the, the trip dates are July 20th through July 27th. Now, it, I don't have a f- full team because we're going with Pastor Zach Cumbis from Go Life Missions. He's taking eight, and I'm going to be able to take eight. So I'm trying to have it look like a young adult trip with some adults, okay? So that's, that's just what's on my heart, okay? So, hey, I, I mean, no, you can go, you can go. Um, the reason I say a young adult trip with some adults is because the adults bring the oomph, okay? And the young adults kind of bring the hey, you know? So you mix those two together, hey, you mix those, you mix those two together, and, you know, there's that dynamic, you know, that really helps, you know, um, the, the, the young people kind of bring the adults down in a good way or bring them to the maybe the more fun or light, in light, you know, lighthearted side. And, but the adults have that depth that really helps. And there's that, there's that, there's that knitting together that really happens. So I, I'm really um, excited and looking forward to, um, oh, I'm sorry. Will, can you start the video? Because it's long, and I wanted it to be playing while I'm talking. <laughs> um, but he's going to be playing a video. And this is just something that I shot while I was there on my phone. I'm, I'm about done, and I'm going to pray us out. And you can stay and finish watching it if you want to. There's just little background music. I don't talk on this one. Um, but you'll just see kind of some of the stuff that we do. There's lots of walking, lots of praying. Um, we go to feeding programs. We get to see kind of what the ministry does. And the feeding programs are just an avenue that they use to be able to provide a tangible need that the, that the, that the children have, um, whether it's feeding. Or oh, yes. If you have adopted a child, you will, like, I mean, it's like 99%. You know, unless you told them the day before, you know, that, oh, hey, by the way, you know, I'm on this trip and I have a kid. And they're like, uh, they live like two hours away, you know, in the mountains. So, but yes, if you have a child and you sponsor a child, you will be able to get to see your child. And a lot of these, if you see, like we're walking to a house and we're going to do a house visit. So we're praying for the family. Um, um, He sponsored several kids. So we're at several different houses, you know, just kind of seeing how they're doing, checking up on them, being able to pray. And really, you're not just supporting somebody that you never are able to put a face to unless you don't want to put a face to. You know what I'm saying? Like if you want to go and be as you can be as actively involved in their life as you want to and you can be as non involved in their life, you know, as you want to. But um, I just really I really am excited about what this trip is going to do in us, you know, um, there's a lot that we do, and I, I don't want to uh, give an exhaustive list, but um, ultimately, you're just really able to go, and, and you're, just, you're just fulfilling an aspect, just an aspect of the Great Commission, and it's really for all of us. Now, whether you're gonna, you want to go or whether you want to be able to support and help people who are going, I mean, there are young adults, so they may need a little financial support, but we're going to be doing stuff outside of the church, you know, to get money. <laughs> But, but yeah, that's all I have. Um, I'm just going to pray for us and close us out. And then if you want to just finish watching the, the, the last two minutes.
Just 30 seconds, and I don't know why I'm standing here with this, but I have seven passport applications for those. If your heart is to go somewhere this year, we have to kind of get prepared, and it takes a few weeks to kind of get your passport. So I've got applications up here. If you're interested, come and get them. <laughs> get ready. And it's not just this. I mean, we're our missions-oriented church, and we support all of those flags. We've supported those countries over the years. So if you have a thought of going anywhere this year, get ready. Amen. Amen. Well, Father God, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for what you've done and what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing and what you're going to do. So I just love you. I thank you in Jesus' name.